So welcome to episode two of Structuralist Conversation. I'm your host, Zach. I'm here with my man, Kwabi. I said that right. Yeah, okay, spot perfect, on, perfect. man. Uh, Kwabi of the Peace Bus. We're going to be talking about the origin of the Peace Bus, his work in the community, and everything to do with peace. Let's do it, man. Thanks for having me on the yeah, podcast, man. Thank you man. for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. excited about this. Like I was telling you earlier, um, when I had the original idea to do the Structuralist Conversation, you were one of the, the people that I put on the list of people that I like to talk to, so I'm really Dang. excited about this. See, this is a great man because he knows what greatness is. There, there you go. Is. See? <laughs> yeah. um, so tell us a little bit about yourself first before we get into what the Peace Bus is and your work. Gotcha. Maybe like um, where I grew up? Yeah, just, a, you know, your background. Okay, yeah. Um, how, what led you into to all of this? Yeah, so I grew up in University Place, Washington. Um, shout out to UP. Shout out to <laughs> UP, man. The stomping grounds, man. Yeah. And I, I think just the friends that I had helped to mold me in the, you know, as far as uh, trying new things, right? Me and my friends, we'd run around in these crazy ideas and we'd try whatever, man. Uh, we were just not big on limiting each other on what we can do, right? Definitely. Or could do. Um, and so after that, I went to college at Western Washington University and I flunked out after two years. Um, and I came back to Tacoma and went to Tacoma Community College. And while I was there, um, I was just inspired by uh, people who were doing something different, if that makes any sense. So I was always doing research, always doing research, and I was greatly inspired by Muhammad Ali. Okay. And this is someone who I've known since, you know, well, not personally known, yeah, but yeah. I actually had a dream about him, man, and I think oh, I actually met him in person, like, in my mind. Hey, uh, spirits connect. Right, Whether man. it's in this lifetime or in a different realm. A hundred, and we, we, we might get on that later. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Um, yeah, I was inspired by people who were uh, doing something different, and that was sort of like the first seed, right? Like, learning about people who sort of went against the grain and then I went to the Evergreen State College Tacoma campus and I met an advisor uh, academic advisor named Peter Bacho Peter Bacho yeah he's the guy this the old guy. Filipino dude super Shout wise to the Filipinos and he's gonna he's gonna return in this story in a minute okay but just setting the playing field okay I met this guy Peter Bacho he's my instructor as well as my academic advisor okay so I graduate from the Evergreen State College Tacoma campus then I go to City University of Seattle for my master's in business all right so I'm there for business, and I'm still feeling unfulfilled. And it's interesting because I'm surrounded by people who are like, you know, this is my, like, business is my thing. Right. And I'm learning, but I'm trying to figure out all these things I'm learning about business, how I'm going to apply this to something that I actually love or like. And I was having difficulty with it. So I went back to talk to Dr. Bacho at the Evergreen State College. I went back and I was like, doctor, I'm struggling. I'm in grad school. Like yeah. I'm supposed to be here, right? And he was like, Kwabi, you need to settle down. You're, you're, you're doing too much. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, you need to stop asking yourself, who, what do you want to be? And start asking yourself, who do you want to be? Yeah. And I'm like, that's yo, that's pretty deep, yeah. right? So he's like, yeah, take some time to yourself. Don't push it. Don't force it. So I took like a week and some change and I really stuck by myself and I just really thought about the concept of like, who, who am I, you know? And I thought out of anything in the entire world, the thing I love the absolute most is seeing different people from different walks of life, races, colors, and creeds coming together. Yes. I love it, man. And to me, that's peace. That's peace um, visually, like, like seeing people come together is right. peace to me, you know? It's like tangible. If, bro, come yeah. on now, Zach, it's tangible, right? <laughs> so then I started researching again. Like, who's doing this work now? Now, we know of Martin Luther King. Yep. We know of Gandhi, all these people who have done great work on, on behalf of peace. But who's doing this now? 
and a chemographer's guy named Brian Haw. Brian Haw. Brian Haw, the goat. Have you heard of Brian Haw? I have not. All right, Enlighten Jack. me. Yes. Brian Haw was a uh, peace campaigner from London, England. Okay. His heyday was like the early 2000s. He was a regular guy living his life, regular life, just, you know, walking around doing his thing. And he stopped everything to uh, contest the military sanctioning sanctions that were happening in the Middle East during the time. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that the UK and the US were putting on certain countries in the Middle yeah, East. Yeah, for sure. And he stopped everything. He left his, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not advising anyone to do this, but... <laughs> He left his whole family behind, and he started camping outside of Parliament Square where they do all the litigation and things like right. that. And he had peace posters saying, like, love and peace, and he would show, like, really graphic photos of the infanticide happening in the Middle East because of the lack of water and food, right? Yeah. And uh, you should see him talk, man. I'm going to look him up after this. Yo, yeah, for look sure. up Brian Ha on YouTube. People listening, look up Brian Ha on YouTube. He's He's... Aura and how he explains what's going on, anyone can understand it. And his whole philosophy was that we're equal because we're all human beings. That's awesome. And I was like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta do something. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna stay every day and camp outside of, you know, in Tacoma. Yeah, become a freedom fighter. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not on that scale. Yeah. But what I can do is on Saturdays I can go to go to the park. So I made these peace posters. One said, "Love, peace, and justice for all." The other one said, war is not the answer, say no to violence. And I'd go to Wright Park here in Tacoma, and I'd post up. So I'd have a table and a radio playing classical music, you know, you keep go. the vibe, you know. Yeah, okay. And people would come up to the booth, and they'd be like, hey, so what are you selling? And I'm like, um, I'm not selling anything. And they're like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I just want to have a conversation with you about peace. And they're like, is this religious? And I'm like, no. You got like a megaphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. I mean, what what does peace mean to you? Right. So at first, people were sort of like off-put by it. They were like, what, what are you doing here? But eventually, it started resonating with people. And people would come up, and we'd have conversations about peace. Then they'd bring their family, their kids, the old folks. And now it became like a thing. Like Saturday morning, there's this peace guy. And he shows up at the park. Yeah. And he goes, have a conversation with you about peace. So I was doing that uh, consistently for a couple of months on Saturday. And then Zach, bro, I was attacked, man. What? Yeah, I was attacked Physically? at the park. Physically attacked oh, at the park. No. I was there, you know, doing my peace thing. Yeah. This dude literally runs up on me. He's running up on me. He like Hulk Hogan kicks the table over, right? Table goes flying. I'm like, oh, dang, this guy's about to fight yeah. me right now. And he takes my posters and he tries to rip them, but they're super strong. Like yeah, thick, yeah, so you yeah. can't really get it. <laughs> and uh, he gets in my face with his fist balled up like he's going to hit me. I just kind of sit there. And I think something in his mind triggered to be like, if I hit this dude, it'd be pretty messed up. Like, yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not presenting myself abrasively like I'm going to hit him back. Yeah. So he stops, takes a big breath, and then he runs off. Was there any particular reason that he did that? Or was he just having, like, an episode? So, or? Uh, not to get too deep into it, because yeah. I don't want to disclose who this person is, right, but right. I, I went to high school with him. Oh, okay. I grew up with him, and between graduating high school and that time, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh, uh, okay. I, I knew about his diagnosis, but I didn't know where he was. Like, I yeah. don't know. I'm just living my life. Right. And he saw me. He yelled out my name, and he ran up on me, and something seeing me triggered something in his brain. Um, so he ran off, right? And then the next Saturday, I go back out, but I'm like, yo. Yeah, you're you're on high alert. Yeah, yeah. this dude got to come out the cut. So <laughs> I kind of like didn't set up my camp, 
And I had my posters, and I started walking around Wright Park, talking to people. Then the next Saturday, I walked around Tacoma. Okay. And then I went to Seattle. And then I went to Portland, Vancouver, BC, and then San Francisco. Oh, wow. Awesome. And I did the same thing, talking to people, asking people what peace means to them. Because if you ask anyone on the street what they wanted in life, right? Basic question. Peace isn't going to be in the top three things. Out of all the things in yes. the world, like new car, great. I want a new PS5, great. But that's not going to be in your top three, you know? Usually peace is there. So it's like, okay, let's talk about it more. Right. So I had a friend who was stationed in the Netherlands. He uh, was in the Air Force. Oh, cool. And he was like, bro, I see you're doing this thing with the posters. You should bring them to Europe. And I was like, I've never even been out of the country. Yeah, right. And you want me to bring these to Europe? And even at that time, this is like the summer of 2017. Okay. There was like uh, terrorist attacks happening yeah. in, in, in Belgium and in London. Was that the year that the, the Ariana Grande bombing happened? Or that might have been before that. Right? I have no clue. When it was like the, the concert and some guy. Oh, yo, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, really I think random. it was that year, man. Okay, yeah, was, there was a was, lot going on. That year was nuts, man. Yeah. So um, I remember talking. I, w I went to my mom and I was like, I'm thinking about taking my posters to Europe and doing this peace thing over there. And she was like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, you're you're going to get hurt that motherly instinct yeah. yeah and i went to my dad and i was like hey i'm thinking about taking these posters to europe and my dad was like quabi my dad's from ghana He's yeah quabi like, yeah. don't do that <laughs> it's too dangerous what are you doing yeah so i was like ah, okay well i'm gonna put them in my suitcase and i don't know if i'm gonna do it but i'll put them in my suitcase and if i feel like i want to do it when i'm there then i'll do it yeah and i get to the netherlands i don't even have time to like process if i'm gonna do it or not my buddy austin's like oh where's the posters at Man. And I'm like, uh, they're in the suitcase. Oh, get them out. Let's let's get going. Yeah, that's cool, I'm though. Like, oh, dang. All right, we're doing it, right? Damn, that's cool, though, because he it shows that he, like, really believed in your message, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Austin's yeah. my guy, man. Austin's my guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, so he actually drove me to certain cities in, in Europe, the ones that were, uh, you know, bordering the Netherlands. So we went to Germany, Amsterdam, of course, cool. uh, Brussels, Belgium. Yeah. And then he was like, we should go to London. So we flew to London, right? This is all the same time. And I did the same thing, walking around, talking to people about peace. And then I came home for a bit, then went back to Europe again, went to Dublin, Ireland, um, and a few other places. Uh, Iceland, too. And then we came back home. Or I came home, he stayed in Europe. Yeah. And then I was thinking, well, what now, right? Yeah. What's going on now? Yeah, that's a hard thing to top. Right, yeah. I'm saying, right? <laughs> so then I was like, um, well, let me go back to the drawing board. So I started doing more research, and I came across this guy named A.B. Nathan. A.B. Nathan. Have you heard of A.B. Nathan? Have not. Zach, I'm man, here you're giving to tell me, you. Yeah, you're giving me some good stuff. You, man. So A.B. Nathan was an Israeli humanitarian. Okay. And he was a pilot. Right. Oh, he was a pilot. He was actually a bomber, right, in the Israeli war, and he bombed this town. And afterwards, he felt some type of way about what he had done. Yeah. And he went to the village that he had bombed to talk to the people. And he shook hands and hugged and, and, and got to talk with the people that he had bombed and humanized them. And he vowed never to be involved in violence again. And so he had this crazy idea of taking his plane called the Peace One, he had actual personal plane, mm -hmm. and fly it from Tel Aviv all the way to Egypt to promote better relations between Arabs and Jews. Wow. And uh, he did the flight. That's amazing. And he had a peace ship. Called the Peace Ship. Yeah. And it sailed in the Mediterranean Sea and it was a radio station. Oh, and cool. he'd invite people all around the world to come to his ship and have conversations uh, about peace oh, and yeah, have dialogue I'm, I'm about the subject. I'm definitely looking this up after. A.B. Nathan's yeah. the GOAT, man. Yeah. And he was good friends with John Lennon. Okay. And whenever he'd be low on money, 
uh, he John Lennon would send him a bunch of autographed T-shirts, and he would sell those. Man, that's super cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So I was like, okay, Amy Nathan's the GOAT. I'm going to be a peace pilot. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, around this time, 17, 18, I started taking flight lessons, but I was still in grad school, right? Okay. So it cleaned me out, Zach. I, I bet. had no money, bro. I bet. I so took, it's not a cheap uh, cheap hobby. It's not, man. Yeah. So uh, every small airport, and this is for anyone who's in, in, in wants to be interested in aviation, you can go to a local airport, right, mm-hmm. and do something called a discovery flight. And for about 80 bucks, they'll put you up in the air. And you can just fly around for a little bit with an instructor. Oh, I, yeah. I might yeah. I might do that this yeah. weekend. It's yeah. cheap and it's easy. That sounds awesome. And it's a good way to be like, can I do this? Can I see myself doing this? Yeah. We can only do it once at each airport. So I went to all the airports. <laughs> there you go. I went to all the airports and did all the discovery flights. Yeah, cool. And I had no more money. So I thought, well, I can't get the pilot's license yet, but I do have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought about the idea of the Peace bus. Okay. And I had thought about, you know, the Peace van. Yeah. The peace, the peace shuttle. Mustang. Yeah, and I was, yeah, right. But I was like, peace bus seems seems like, it's like something you've heard before. Yeah, but it also seems new. It kind of ties back to that like old hippie peace seventies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? Speaking on that, man, I wanted a Volkswagen bus first. Okay, right. But I didn't know something. Right. So any vehicle that's made before nineteen eighty two, the VIN number isn't attributed toward the Carfax. So. If I buy a car that's older like that, I don't know really what I'm getting into, unless I personally know the owner. Yeah. And he can tell me, like, hey, man, this engine, hey, it's, it's not good. Yeah, right. So, so to, to sort of not have it be risky, I decided to get a Mitsubishi 1988 van. And how this came about, I was just online saying I wanted to buy a vehicle. And this guy named Jason from Vashon Island, this hippie guy, really cool dude. Nice. He reached out to me, and he's like, yeah, man, I heard you're looking for a peace vehicle. I got this thing I call the Starship Cruiser. Nice. It looks like a tin can, man. You should come take a look on it. So I went to Vashon Island, and sure enough, it's a strange-looking vehicle, and it's all silver, and it, it looks like a space shuttle, space shuttle inside. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is it. So I bought it from him using my income tax, because, again, I had no money. Right? Yeah. So I used my income tax money, bought it from him for about 3200 bucks. Okay. And uh, painted it blue, right? And put the peace bus on the side and started driving it around. That's where it all started. Why the color blue? Okay, so there is an activist by the name of Peace Pilgrim. Have you heard of Peace Pilgrim? I have not heard of Peace Pilgrim. All right, man, okay. I have a whole list that I have to go through now. Yeah, Yeah. man, peace people are great, man. Yeah. So Peace Pilgrim was this lady. Her heyday was like the 70s and 80s and 60s. She was a pretty pretty old lady. And she walked the United States back and forth. Oh, wow. She said she'd keep on walking till the world came together in peace. So she was constantly walking. And she said the color of peace was blue. She wore a blue tunic. Okay. Yeah. And it said Peace Pilgrim on the front. And she never, she claims that she never um, had to, you know, work, right? Food was always supplied to her somehow. Someone would see her walking and they'd give her some food. Yeah. And she never had any sort of pain, she said. Like, n- no illnesses, never got sick since she decided to walk for peace. Interesting. This is what she claims. It's, it's a wild story. It feels and very spiritual. A hundred percent, man. And sadly, she took... Uh, a break and and had someone drive her right mm-hmm. to get to some place and they she got in a car accident. Wow, yeah, and that was the wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that just gave me chills. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> how she died. Yeah, man. And so she said the color of but peace. Rest was in peace blue. to her. A hundred percent, man. Amazing woman. Amazing woman, man. And um, yeah, that's why the peace bus is blue. Interesting. Yeah, I always think of if even a like a light blue is 
Mm-hmm. It's a very calming color. It is, man. And, you know, I, I wanted to be bright and vibrant. We think about things that we promote. Like, mm-hmm. I often use the example of Coca-Cola. Yeah. Right? It's everywhere, yeah. Zach. And it's, and it's such attributed to that red color. Right. Well, yeah, that, that too. And it, it, it hits your eye. Yeah. And it's on the billboard. It's online. It's on social media. Yeah. It's in books even, magazines. And it's just a sugary drink. Yep. How can we do the same thing about peace, love, togetherness, respect, acceptance, mm-hmm. these really big values that I think we value, right. but it's not necessarily put in the limelight. So that's my job. I'm not, I don't consider myself an activist even. Okay. You know, activists, they're, you know, they're out there and they're picketing. Yeah. And they're out there in the front lines, this sort of deal. And thank God for them. But yeah, that's not really my route. My, my route is like, how can we promote peace? Like it's a campaign, like it's a product. Not everybody's built for activism. Yes. Like, as much as we feel drawn to a a certain thing, Mm -hmm. not everybody's built to be on the front lines and actively fighting for that. Right. And that's a testament to you guys listening right now. Yeah, 100 Think about it. Not everyone's supposed to drive a baby blue bus like me, right? But what can you do? How can you utilize your skills to help people in need? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we get the bus. Yes, I get the bus. Yeah, paint it blue. And I thought about... So in the bus, there's a place where there's supposed to be seats. Someone had taken the seats out and gutted them out at some Mm -hmm. point. So there's the front seats and then a seat way in the back, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it. There's a ton of space here. And that's when I thought of using the vehicle for humanitarian aid purposes. You know, when we think of humanitarian aid, we think of people going to Africa or Southeast Asia. And that and that is humanitarian aid. Right. But people need help right here in Tacoma, man. Yeah, 100%. In the U.S. So I thought, well, let me use this space. If I'm going to talk about peace, I want to put peace into action. And I started a sock drive. So I went on social media. I was like, hey, I got this peace bus. I want to do peaceful things. I'm trying to raise socks for people who live on the street. Yeah, this was like a weekend thing, right? I think I saw an interview that you had before where it was uh, you'd go out in the community on the weekends and uh-huh. just uh, disperse it to homeless people. A hundred percent, man. So I uh, raised about five hundred bucks, nothing too much. Okay. Went to Costco. Got the they got the nice thick yeah, yeah, yeah. Kirkland. The Kirkland. Brand Kirkland's sock. a good brand, you know what I'm man. Saying? Kirkland. Yeah. So I went there, got the socks. I uh, went around a couple of weekends giving out socks. Right. Okay. Testament to this, man. So yeah. um, I do that. A year later, skipping over some stuff, but a year later, mm-hmm. I'm at a shelter, and I'm giving out some food, some some fruit, and I'm at uh, the smoking deck outside of the shelter, but a lot of people hang out there. I don't smoke, but you yeah. know, I'm there just talking to people. Yeah. And a gentleman comes out the shelter, and he's dirty, Zach, just head to toe, almost like he'd been rolling in mud or something. His ha- hair's all mangled with dirt in it. I was like, dang, he's having it rough. Yeah. And he comes over to sit near me, and his, uh, his clothes are real small. So he sits down. And his pant legs rise up, and he has the whitest socks. Oh, And they're so white yeah. in comparison to all the dirtiness. Yeah. I stopped talking to this dude. I turned to him, and I'm like, bro, you got some nice socks. It's like his calm in the chaos. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, a year ago, you came with that blue van and you gave them to me. And I was like, oh. Wow. Oh, snap. Like, I, I had for... <laughs> I forgot about meeting him. Yeah. I had even forgotten going to that shelter to give out socks. This dude kept his socks. They were clean. They were the only thing clean on his body, and he remembered me. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was like, okay, we're doing something good here. Right. And I, it wasn't about the socks, though. There's nothing like a new pair of socks, man. 100%, man. Good Lord. You As you get on. older and older, the number one uh, gift you can get is either socks or underwear. Boom. Or T-shirts. Or T-shirts. Or T-shirts. Can't, can't underestimate yeah. those. But, like— he felt humanized at that time, and yeah. he, that, that's what he remembered. So 
Uh, that was the first time the stock drive. And then in 2019, there's a lot going on in the media about the immigration crisis. Remember yes, that? Yep. Yeah, we were seeing kids being taken away from their families yeah. and people he, in cages. Who must not be named. Yeah. Yeah, it was def- definitely on that. It was wild, dude. Yeah, it was sad. So I was thinking, well, I, I want to do something with the Peace Bus. And I had this crazy idea of taking the bus and traveling from Washington State, going down to the border of Mexico and yes. interviewing Border Patrol agents about the immigration crisis. Yeah, I saw this. Which is insane. Yeah. Why, like, why could I think I could do this? You wanted to, to bridge the gap, right? You wanted to have people that were affected by the immigration policy right. and then the people that were working for the government and put them in the middle, right? This dude did his research. I tried. 100%, man. That's what I wanted to do. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. So I announced on social media I was going to be taking this excursion down to the border of Mexico, calling it the Peace Bus Journey to the Mexican Border. And after a while, funds started coming in. And I was like, oh, we're, I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, we're going to do you know? this, yeah. So then the plan was to stop in major cities along the way, give out socks and blankets to people in need, and then interview people along the way with the sort of like a mobile podcast with the Peace Bus. Right. And uh, I took a small crew with me. It was me and a couple of friends. And we took the trip, and we stayed with host families. Okay. People we didn't know from Adam man, yeah. at all. And we're, they were just like, they thought the idea of the Peace Bus was really cool. And we stayed with them. Yeah, awesome. That was really where a lot of the peace was felt, man. Like yeah. talking to people that we didn't know and talking about how we can bring the world together, this sort of thing. And um, I got to interview Michael Nagler. He's uh, was the person to create the. Uh, he's a professor of nonviolence, right? Okay. But he created a curriculum at uh, UC. Wait, was it uh, University of California? Okay. Uh, of nonviolence. It was one of the first ones, and I got to meet him. Super old guy. He's like in his. Um, Late 80s, maybe 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he runs uh, the um, a meta center for nonviolence. Okay. It's a, a, a center completely devoted to nonviolence. We met him there at his center. And I got to interview him, meet him. It was wild, man. Yeah, it sounds wild. He even put on a peace bus, peace bus shirt. Oh, cool. I was like, bro, this dude's awesome. And yeah, so yeah. we interviewed him about um, what we can do in order to promote nonviolence. Check this out. And one thing he talked about, then I'll continue on. You know, uh-huh. I, I like to ramble. But uh, No, please do. <laughs> gotcha. He, th- he talked about this. So when's the last time that you decided not to watch something that was violent because it was violent? And to think that if you were to cut out every single violent movie that uh, for a year, right, and how if you revisit it, you'll feel trauma by yeah. watching it. And I had actually tested. I didn't do a year. I didn't do yeah, a year. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I like action films. Yeah, but, you know those Marvel movies were coming out there that right, time. I was yeah. like, I gotta do that. <laughs> but I took about like three months. I did that. And sure okay. enough, when I revisited it, I was like, oh, this stuff's kind of heavy. Yeah. So we, it, it's sort of a reminder of how much we are desensitized towards violence. 100%. And that's even in the movie. This is in the movies. To think that when it really happens, how we can dis- disassociate ourselves with atrocities mm-hmm. and how that's a detriment to our society. We have to be working to see the human humanism in people yeah. in order to reduce that violence. So I met Michael, then continued to go down through the bo- uh, to the border of Mexico, and we stopped in L.A., stayed with the host family. Okay. Love and, L.A. Yeah, man. I'm clearly. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> LA's, what's up, man? It's a great place. So we're there, and my friend was like, bro, so we're here at L.A. You called the Border Patrol when you were at home. They said you couldn't interview them. You should call them again. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I call them again. I'm like, hey, my name's Kwabi. I'm here at L.A. I want to interview you guys about the immigration crisis. And they were like, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, why? And they're like, you're not even a news station. Like, who are you? And I was like, well, I'm Kwabi. I got a peace bus. And they're like, 
yeah, sorry, we're getting too much heat right yeah. now in the media. We just can't afford it. Yeah. Before I hung up, they were like, but wait, 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 wait. What's this peace bus? And I was like, yeah, uh, that was a, That was a hook. And I was like, yeah, it's this blue bus that I drive and I try to, you know, have conversations with people about peace and deliver uh, goods to people in need. And they're like, some of the guys here at the station, they want to see what it looks like. Send it to us. So I hung up, emailed it to them. And about an hour later, they called back and they were like, yeah, we want to see it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. It was the opener. So yeah. uh, we drove down to San Diego, went to the Border Patrol headquarters, and you know, ba- essentially knocked on the door, man. It was basically what it was like. And two of the officers came out. They didn't even want to see me. They're like, where's the bus at? Yeah. Where's the bus at? <laughs> so they saw the, yeah, man. They're like, where, yeah, where's the bus? <laughs> Show me the bus. <laughs> yeah. So they saw the bus, and they're like looking at it, and they're like, whoa, this is really cool. Why'd you guys come here? And I was like, okay, so I came to interview you guys about the immigration crisis. And they were like, yeah, we, we can't do that, but we'll let you guys ride on patrol with us. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we got in the patrol car, and we're driving on the border of Mexico, and we're seeing the, the whole, like, gate and everything yeah. and all that stuff, uh, and seeing into Tijuana even. And um, I just thought, you know, things were going good. And I was like, hey, can I ask you guys a few questions, record it? And they kind of sighed. They're like... All right, you guys seem cool. We'll yeah, answer yeah. some questions. And man, I pressed record and we had a full on conversation about the immigration crisis. And I didn't get to speak to anyone who was involved in the crisis specifically. Okay. But they helped to debunk a lot of misinformation that was right. going on, meaning that uh, most of the people coming up from the border were uh, in need of clothes and food and shelter. That it, above anything, it was a humanitarian crisis. Right. Very few. People were coming up that were criminals or anything like that. Yeah. Which I, I, you heard one faction of people saying these things, but to see the Border Patrol say this yeah. was the, incredible. The people that have the boots on the ground. I'm yeah. saying, right? So then I put that up on social media, man. And when I got back home, all the news stations were like, oh, this was really crazy. How did you get to interview them? We weren't even able Yeah, they're to. like, we've been calling for weeks. Right, we right. pick up our phone. Yeah. So then... I went, that was my first time getting on TV, and I got to talk about what happened, you know, going down to the border of Mexico and what I learned. Yeah. I was on a New Day with Margaret Larson. That was okay. when she was Okay, shout host. out Margaret Larson. Yeah, yeah. man. She's, she's retired. Uh, she retired two years ago, but it was great meeting her. Yeah, that's cool. And um, She's a staple. Yeah, man. Yeah. I met uh, Cisco, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Don't even get me started on Cisco. My grandma loves Cisco. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's he's my a, guy. He's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did that, and I used that publicity in order to reach out to elementary schools and middle okay. schools in Tacoma. Because, you know, sadly, well, maybe it's not sadly. I guess it makes sense. But you can't just be like anybody and go to our school yeah. and be like, hey, I want to teach at your school. They'd be like, what are you, who are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, hey, I, I did this thing. Can I come and talk to your students about peace and nonviolence and, you know, this peace movement I'm trying to, you know, get involved with? So sure enough, that was like my end to going to educational facilities, okay. talking to students and all the way to college about what peace meant. And, um, yeah, so that's that part. And then from then on, do you have any questions? To, well, uh, I just wanted to ask, were, they, were the kids pretty receptive to that? I mean, we have so much, like, violence and things, like you said, in movies, video games and stuff. Right. So it's not in a child's mind to think about peace. 100%. So were they pretty receptive to what you were saying? Yeah, I tricked them. I tricked there them. There you go. So it's like, okay, so talking about nonviolence, it's not the, you know, coolest thing, I right. guess, out the gate. But I had something called the peace ball, right? Okay. And it's a beach ball. Yeah. But on every panel has a question to do with nonviolence. Uh, what is justice? What is respect? So I throw it on the kid. I throw it on the student even. Right? So I took this to colleges as well. Yeah. Throw it on them like, what do you think this stuff is? 
Justice is a big word. Yeah. Peace is a big word. What do you think it is? And so we pass it around the class or the lecture hall, and the ball goes flying. They catch it. They uh, you know try to answer the question. Then we start sparking a conversation. So it was like a awesome. kinesthetic way of you know talking about peace. Yeah, and that really resonated. And then honestly, man, like I got to the point where all the different campaigns I was doing became a story. And as I would speak about my story, people were just interested in it. Yeah. And then they're uh, at the end of me, you know, saying what I've done. They're like, "Oh, what can I do?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's figure that out." Yeah. So that was like the beginning of going to schools, and then I did a kids show for a little bit. I was working on a kids show. Uh, yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about. Yeah, this man, damn, man, cool. that was a that was an interesting time. Very yeah. interesting time. Um, I had so I went on the news, and then uh, King Five had reached out to me, and they're like, "Hey, we see that you're going to schools." Have you ever thought about the Peace Bus doing any sort of children's programming? Yeah. And I was like, no, not really. And right. they were like, well, think of something, and if you come up with something, we'll help you promote it. Right. So that night, I wrote a script. It took me a few days. I wrote a script called The Peace Bus. Yep. With puppets and the whole thing. Yeah, like, the puppets are super cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't know, you know. So I went to my dad, right? I was like, if my dad thinks it's good, yeah. it's probably okay. If you can win him over, you can win anybody over. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're actually driving to the dump, and I have the script. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, I, I wrote the script of this kid's show. You know, I want to hear it. So I'm like thumbing through it. I'm like reading it to him. And he's just like, you know, driving. At the end of it, he's like, Kwabi, that's okay. It's pretty good. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. It's probably amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. So then I uh, I talked to him, one of my good friends, who was a director at the time. Okay. And I, you know, director friend, you don't want to bug him, right? Right, like, right, hey, right. I'm, hey, what's up? I wrote something. You want to hear it? Yeah, especially on a project that maybe doesn't have funding, you know, like all right, these kinds right. of things. Yeah, yeah. But I did it because I'm stubborn. Yeah. Zach, I'm stubborn, bro. So I was like, I want to read you this. So we met up at Sherry's and I read him the script and he was like, yeah, this is good. Let's do it. Like, I'd be down to direct this. So yeah. then I got together with him. I got a whole team together and we started filming the piece, uh, the pilot episode. Basically, in the pilot episode, there's this guy named Mr. Brown. Yeah, I, I watched it, yeah. Yeah, he's a pie maker. Yeah. And we don't know till the middle of the story that he was incarcerated. Yeah. And he learned how to make pies while he was in prison, and now he's trying to better his life by, you know, making pies and starting yeah. his own business, which is like humanizing people who have been incarcerated, right? So the kid's like, when I think, as a kid, when I would see someone who's been in prison, I think of, you know, like the black and white stripes. Yeah. They're hitting rocks. And right, chained right. Up and they're Very like, chain gang. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, or they're like a wolf or something. Yeah. I don't know, Orange jumpsuits. Right, yeah. right, right. But it's like the reality is that people who have been incarcerated are people. Yeah. They're human beings. So that's what I wanted to relay in that, in that first episode. So we filmed that. And I was going to have a premiere of the episode in the spring of 2020. And as we all know, Zach. Yeah. Spring of 2020, uh, that's when COVID hit. Dark, t- dark times. Dark times, but yeah. we didn't know at the time. We were just like, oh, maybe yeah, a couple, couple weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks off nah. work. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I had to cancel the premiere at that time. Okay. But I was like, since everything's closing down, what is something I can do with the bus now, right? Uh, that's the cool thing about peace. There's always different ways you can promote it. So I thought, you know, since the schools were closed down, a lot of uh, families rely on the schools for breakfast and lunch and things like right. that. Right. What if I could deliver food, right? So they had designated areas. The Tacoma School District had designated areas where families could go and get food. But what about the families who don't drive? How are they supposed to get food? Yeah, right. So I thought, well, I'm going to use my bus and deliver food to people. But I'm not a restaurant. I don't have, like, a food handler's card or all that stuff that you need to do that stuff. So. Right, permits and, yeah. Permits, right? Yeah. 
on permits. Yeah. So I thought, what if I could uh, transfer non-perishable items? And that's what the that, that's like the door that opened, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to deliver breakfast cereal. So from March 2020 to about July 2020, through, uh, during the hours of like 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day throughout the week, anyone could text me and I would take the bus and I'd have tons of cereal in my bus and I would deliver cereal to their family. And that was sort of the the peace, the peace bus breakfast fund, which was uh, probably probably like the second biggest humanitarian aid uh, effort that I did. Okay. And that was that was super cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so, uh, and then with that, man, and the news heard about that, they put that on there, and uh, through that sort of publicity, um, I started saying, you know, my thoughts and ideas in regards to, like, you know, social issues going on in the world. And uh, in the summer of 2020, that was when George Floyd was killed. Right. And, uh, you know, I... At the time, man, I didn't really know what to think. Yeah. You know, we'd seen instances like this happen over and over again. That was, I would say, probably the most in-our-face one that, you 100%. know, because you, you, we had to sit there and watch every second of yeah. his life being taken away. Yeah, That's the right, the, it was the most in-your-face one. It was like, right. oh, yeah, this is happening. Look at this. And also, we were all at home, so it's like, we can't uh-huh. we can't just say, oh, that's sad, and then move on the next right. day because it's it's right there right. where we don't have a lot of things to do. We have to watch right. and see this. It, it festered, man. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, what are we going to do about it? And consequently, a ton of stuff happened, right? Mm-hmm. And King 5 News reached out to me, and they were like, we want to put you on the news to talk about what happened to George Floyd and the, and the riots and, and, oh. and all this stuff. And I was like, uh, no, yeah, that's not my gig. Sorry. So um, I was like, no. And I consoled my my friends about it. They're like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Right. And I was like, all right, cool. But then I reached out to my brother, and I was like, yeah, they want to get me on King 5 to talk about it. And he was like, Kwabi, you have to do it. And I was like, uh, really? He's like, yeah. yeah. You have to say something. So- something. Yeah. And I was like, what do you think I should say? He was like, no, 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 no. You figure it out. Mm-hmm. So then I called him back, and I was like, all right, I'll do it. And that night before the interview, that was like the worst sleep I ever got. I bet. Yeah, dude. When I got on set, I had like eye bags like down yeah. here, bro. It was like right here, but no, like close to my mouth. It was yeah. horrible. So I'm I'm there, right? And I, I said what I wanted to say about, you know, I believe that police stations have some sort of cultural competency training. Yep. That At, at the bare minimum. And that we need to understand that it's going to be a community effort in regards to re- reducing violence in general. Yes. Yep. Um, so that happened. And we're still during COVID time, right? Yep. And uh, cl- businesses were closing down. Uh, people were out of work. Yep. Dark it was very time. depressed. Like you said, a dark time, man. And I thought, well, what's something that can bring life and happiness to people, especially the children and families? And I thought, I'm going to be Santa Claus. Nice. Right? So... In September, I had this idea of being Santa Claus for the city of Tacoma. Okay. In October, maybe it was October? Maybe it was November I announced it, that I was going to be actually Santa Claus for the city of Tacoma, that uh, kids, I believe it was eight and under, could send me letters about what they've done with their families for love and peace and stuff like that. They could ask me for a gift, $50 and under, whatever it was, and I'd get it for them. That's and awesome. I got hundreds of letters. Yeah, man, I bet. In the, hundreds of letters. And they came in, I had to read each one. And Amazon was my best friend. I was on Amazon getting a bunch of gifts, and people donated to allow this whole operation wow. to happen. Amazing. And um, there was a girl who even wanted a hamster. So, yeah. So I went to Petco and got her a whole hamster. Oh, cool. I, I, the hamster lived with me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, man. And, did you, did you um, name it? 
no, 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 no. <laughs> here's his hamster. You know, it was up to her. So even when I, so, so, okay, yeah. So I had the hamster, all the gifts. Uh, UW Tacoma helped me uh, to wrap all of them. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we, we did it in a gym. It was hundreds of gifts. And each family had a sack, like a red sack, like Santa Claus, you know, like a sack. Yeah. Each family was designated with a sack with all their kids' uh, gifts in it. And on Christmas Eve, starting for about, from about 4 p.m., it was like 3 p.m. we started. From 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., we drove around delivering the gifts. I dressed up like Santa Claus. My friends were elves. And we delivered to over uh, 150 homes wow. in one night. Amazing. In, it was insane. I, I don't know if I'll do it again. Yeah, that sounds it, like a lot of work. a lot, bro. But the most rewarding thing happened, man, Zach. So it was like 2.30, pushing to 3, 3 p.m., one of the last stops. Right. And... Uh, we pull up at the house, and all the lights are on in the house. And I look for the gift for that family. It was only one gift. It was a pan. And I remember ordering it on Amazon. I was like, what does a kid, a young girl want with an actual real pan? Yeah, so like, like a frying pan. Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. a, a, a nonstick stainless steel. I'm like, okay, whatever. Hey, see, as you get it as an adult, you you realize how important right, that gift is. Right, <laughs> So then I get the pan. It's all wrapped up. And mm-hmm. I show up at the door, and even before I can knock, the 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 uh, dad opens the door, and uh, her whole family's there, and it was a, it was an Indian family, and uh, I see the little girl. I give her the pan, and she's opening it up. And as she's opening it, her dad's like, "Yeah, uh, we have an Indian restaurant, and it's not doing too good. Like, you know, because of COVID, we don't know if we're going to be able to keep it open. Oh, wow. But our daughter wants to be a chef at our restaurant. That's her dream. Oh, that's amazing. And this is her first pan. Yeah, and I got to see her open it." And uh, to go to the kitchen to act like she's cooking, and they were laughing, man. I was like, this is so cool, man. That's a tearjerker. Yeah, Yeah. man. It was so cool. So, you know, that was a really good campaign, man. Um, Maybe sometime in the future. Maybe sometime. We'll see. I'm I'm gearing my work now more towards teens and young adults. Yeah. Uh, That's where I'm headed. Um, So, yeah, man, that's 2020. And then 2021? Um, man, that was like the biggest polarization we've seen politically yep. and socially in the nation. Absolutely. There was no common ground, man. We, no. you know, we were more, I would say probably more, div- we might be more divided now. Right. But at that time, that was when you really started seeing the division. Right. Yeah, man. A hundred percent, Zach. So I was like, I want to do something, right? How can I bring people together and sort of spread this idea of peace amongst a lot of people, right? Yeah. So I had this idea of Johnny Appleseed, right? Okay. Because, you know, we jo- we know of Johnny Appleseed. Right. You guys here listening, you know of Johnny yeah, Appleseed. He planted seeds in the Midwest, and consequently, there's tons of apple trees in the, mid- in the Midwest, right? Right. So I thought, well, how can I do the same thing with peace? And I thought, books, right? Okay. Uh, so I created this peace reading list comprised of books ranging from age five for age five kids all the way to uh, college-age students, Right that I felt encompassed this idea of humanizing people, understanding poverty, understanding people who um, have been incarcerated, right, and, and humanizing them, and talking about, you know, hard subjects in a way that kids can digest it and even students, college students can digest yeah. it. makes sense. So uh, I created this peace reading list and started asking people to donate so I could buy these books. And I got hundreds and hundreds of books, and I came up with this campaign called Manifest Humanity. Great. Right? Cool. And the idea was I would travel from Washington State all the way to Washington, D.C., from C to Signing C, in order to give out hundreds of books to the youth and college students and to have conversations about what peace meant. And I also wrote a letter to Joe Biden, the president, talking about the major inhibitors of peace, three things that I felt need to be addressed in order for us to 
start creating a peaceful society. I believe that right. poverty, racism, and lack of all quality education for our children, right? Because it makes no sense, Zach. Yeah. It makes no sense that we'd have one town and we'd have one a group of kids that are less educated than another group of kids just because of where they live. Yeah. When the solutions that we desperately need are embedded in any child anywhere. Right. Right? We think about, you know, you're in you're in tech, right? Yeah. Think about Steve Jobs, right? Amazing person in regards to the technology world. And he died of cancer. Yeah. And if you would have known that the solution to cancer was embedded in a child in a third world country, Steve would have been putting bank yeah. in the third world countries. Yeah. And truly, that's where I believe it, it lies. Do you know uh, Ramana John? I don't. Okay. Uh, I'm just thinking about him. That just makes me think of him. So I don't know what era this was. I think it was the 1800s. Okay. And there's this guy named Ramana John in India. And he had no formal education at all. But he was uh, making equations in the dirt with random sy- Well, he thought it were random symbols and all these things. And he was doing these equations. And a British man was walking by and saw them and thought they looked similar to algebra. And okay. he brought him to, to Europe, to England, and got him trained and realized he was creating new theorems in mathematics. Wow, that's insane. Now, Ramana John, this type of person lives everywhere. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have the means towards cultivating their potentiality, we all lose as a world. I want new theorems, Zach. Yep. I want new theorems. How many, how many like life changing things do we miss out on because a kid wasn't given the right space to like cultivate who, right. who they're supposed to be? A hundred percent, man. And so, in order for us to get to the the highest height for humanity, we have to make sure that everyone has a seat at the table of opportunity, yep. man. It's it's vital to peace, man. Equal playing ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where I was in this journey of the peace bus. I don't know. I forgot. We were at in two thousand one. Yes, manifest yes. humanity. Yeah, manifest so, humanity. Yeah. yeah. So I took the trip. I took a documentarian and an assistant named Isaiah. And he's a good friend of mine. I grew up with him. And uh, we traveled all across the United States, went to major cities, giving out books and talking to students about peace. And I didn't get to meet Biden. I wanted to meet with him, but I didn't get to meet him. But I met this guy named Filippo, who's an activist. And he's been camping outside the White House for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, with this little hut. What is his, uh, like, what is his aim? What is he? He's just about peace. Yeah. You know, when I I got to the White House, and I was just kind of walking around, giving out books, and I see this hut. Like this was like raggedy kind of looking hut. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, what is, what is this person doing? I saw all these peace signs outside of it. So there's a curtain. And I was like, hey, hey, is someone in there? And this small dude pops out the, the <laughs> hut and he's like, brother. And I'm like, brother? And he's like, yeah, brother. And he's pointing at my chest and I had a, a peace pendant thing. Oh, uh, okay. And he's like, yeah, you're my brother. You're about peace. And I was like, oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah. So I dab him up, man. And we get talk- to talking. And sure enough, he's just talking. He's just about awareness, yeah, and consciousness. Okay, and and sounds uh, very Yoda like. Very yeah. much, dude. Filippo, man, that's Filippo. my guy. And I gave him a peace bus shirt. Oh, cool. And he wore it. He has a, a he has a, a Instagram and stuff. And okay, he I'll wore it, man. Out. It's my guy. It's my that's guy. That's awesome. And he even said that he was pen pals with Brian Ha when he was alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, they so all connected. A hundred percent, man. It was really cool to hear him talk about Brian, this guy who started my whole thing. Yeah, you know. So that was cool. And then I, I came back home. And uh, yeah, when I was on the plane coming home, because we I drove the peace bus there. 
as well as a truck with tons of books. Mm -hmm. And then we shipped everything back and I we we flew back. Okay. Yeah. And that trip was wild, man. I could have a whole podcast yeah, episode about, about that. that trip itself. How but was this uh, funded? Were you taking donations at the time as well? Yeah. Oh, so awesome. Everything that the Peace Bus has been involved with to date mm -hmm. has been completely funded by the people. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't received any big donation from a large organization or anything like that. I'm very weary about who I receive money from. Yeah, you you don't know what that company might end up representing mm -hmm. down the line. I yeah. got some weird messages, bro. People have been like, oh, I'm going to give you 10000 but you need to stop talking about racism, man. Like, I don't think oh, that's a that's, fundamental part to, like, really addressing, you know, peace or people being like, you know, I'll give you this amount if you stop talking about this or that. But, you know, it's all, like, it's very weird. Very strange, yeah. or, you should, or you should talk about this. Yeah. And here's this money, you know. All money's not good money. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. So um, when I was on the airplane coming back, I thought, well, what's next, right? And I was like, okay. Well, looking at, you know, the needs of the people, we know that it's essential for people to have food, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to create a campaign called Everyone Eats. Mm-hmm. And that uh, there'd be restaurants every day of the week where anyone can eat, right? But then I just take a step back and I was like, okay, <clears throat> what is the likelihood that people are going to invest in a campaign where anyone can eat for free? Yeah. We're not there yet. I would love that. But sadly in our society, when someone turns 18, it's whatever. You're on your own. Yeah, like, yeah. Bro, I don't care if you're hungry. It, you, yeah, you got to go get it yourself. Right, yeah. right. So I thought, well, what if... We do Every Kid Eats, right? And honestly, a lot of my campaigns, besides, you know, um, the Santa Slay campaign, they were never really meant for kids. Right. But it was like, especially in the Northwest, for some reason, man, when you say peace, people are like, oh, well, it's not tangible for our, our generation. Right. Teach that to the kids. Yeah. And so my biggest thing right now is being like, hey, like, no, we need to get on it as soon as possible. Yeah. And that includes us, young adults. Adults even. And so um, I thought at that time, you know, it'd be best suited for uh, young people. Yeah. And I got back and started campaigning, getting ready for this Every Kid Eats campaign. So I took that whole year to really solidify what it was going to look like. And so in the spring of 2022, uh, I reached out to tons of restaurants in Tacoma. And I was like, hey, I want to do this campaign, explaining to them what it was. You know, every single day of the week, there'd be some restaurant where kids could eat for free with a limited time. And then they would create the menu, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of restaurants wanted to do it. Yeah, that seems like a, a I want to say burden, but kind mm -hmm. of a big burden to take right, on. Right, right. But check this out, right? So about nine restaurants said that they were interested, and about seven of them said, okay, we'll do it for this summer of 2022. Awesome. And uh, it turned out that many of the days that the, that the restaurant was involved, that they doubled their sales. Because oh, wow. what would happen was the kids would come in, they would eat, then the parents want to order something. Yeah, right. They're then, already there. And then also people would learn about the restaurant. It's all advertisement as yeah. well. They would learn about the restaurant. They're doing good deeds. Yeah, for people sure. People just come there and eat just because they're doing the Every Kid Eats campaign. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, after seeing the the uh, success of it, those other nine restaurants last year got involved. Okay. So we had nine restaurants involved, and we did it again this year. The Every Kids Eats campaign with about, I believe there's about six restaurants involved this year. And one year. of those is uh, Nana's Southern Kitchen, right? Southern Kitchen, yeah. yeah, man. Southern Kitchen's big with it, man. Yeah. yeah they, their hours on their day are like basically all day. That's pretty cool. And that's on Mondays, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's something you're still actively doing, right? Yeah. So Every Kid Eats will be done uh, at September 1st. Okay. And then I got to get ready to leave again. Yeah. 
Yeah, because last year I went to Oslo, Norway. Yeah. I received the Tacoma Peace Prize. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, man, they sent me to... uh, You know, just that little town of Oslo, you know. Yeah, man. For, you know, a Nobel (laughs) Peace Prize. Nothing too big. No, no. Yeah, it was was wild, man. It was... um, yeah, to, to really elaborate on that, man. First yeah, of all, how did to, you even get nominated for that? Because I never even knew that there was a Tacoma To be honest, I, I, I didn't either. I, didn't either. <laughs> yeah. um, I knew a little bit that there was some sort of peace uh, award given. Okay. But I didn't know about the history of it. It's a Norwegian prize uh, made up of uh, Nor- uh, Tacoma residents that are Norwegian. That's the origin of it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, every year they elect someone who has spent their whole life doing peace work. Oh, awesome. And they give them the, the, the award, and then they send them to Oslo, Norway, to attend the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow, that's amazing. And I was really shocked. Someone nominated me two years in a row, Teresa Hunt. Shout out to Teresa. Yeah, shout out to Teresa. And um, awesome. she nominated me twice, and last year I received it. I'm the youngest person ever to receive the yep. Tacoma Peace Saw Prize. That. Yeah, you you know, I was just like, all right. I mean, I've spent like five years, you know? But I, I think it was an investment. Like, right. you've been doing this now. Let's see what else you can do. Yeah. So I, in December of last year, so this last December, I took a trip of a lifetime, me and my, my friend Isaiah. Uh, I got to bring someone along, so yeah. Isaiah was my guy. Cool. And uh, we flew to Oslo, Norway. And I got to meet the former prime minister of Norway, Bondovic. Yeah, I saw that. Sit down with him and talk with him about what I'm doing here and learn about the humanitarian work he's doing in uh, the Horn of Africa. Yeah, cool. He's an amazing guy. And I got to meet, um, I got to go to the uh, Oslo Center, okay. Oslo Center, where they're doing peace work. And I got to go to the biggest private uh, peace research institute called PRIO. Wow. Yeah, in the world. Okay. Yeah, and I got to meet Heinrich, the director. Okay, And he's cool. a cool dude. That guy's awesome, man. What exactly goes on at a, a peace research center? Right, right. So you think about, you know, um, what could be the modes towards creating uh, peaceful uh, progress, right? Right. Uh, what are like the elements in a country that allow peace to thrive? And they do research trying to figure out what that is in particular parts of the world and what they can do to, to promote that and have it happen more continually. Okay. Yeah, it, cool. it's an amazing research institute. And I, I asked them, I was like, yeah, can I come back and, you know, speak? And they're like, yeah, if you, yeah. If you want. So I'm, I'm coming back sometime. I don't know when, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm going back to Norway, man. Yeah, so awesome. we were there for that. Um and then, yeah, the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony, man. That's insane. That was a spiritual experience. I bet. You're in a large room, right? Everyone there is on the same page. What are you doing to bring peace in the world? Mm-hmm. I was there with politicians, with bricklayers, and, like, athletes, and and electricians, all, like— Anyone. All walks of life. Everyone. Yeah. All there to figure out how they're going to utilize their skill for peace. And it, it was completely humbling, man. That's like, amazing. You go to someone and they're like, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, I go to Uganda and I help people in need. Yeah. And then you talk to someone else like, oh, I'm, I'm on the front lines of the refugee crisis, helping refugees uh, and making sure that they're having their needs met. Like, everyone's a superstar, man. It was so cool. Well, maybe that's why you were nominated. Like, maybe that was the purpose is so that, like you said, it was almost like an investment in your future. Mm. So maybe they thought by going there and being around these people would give you even more inspiration to continue to do amazing things. Yeah, I think you're right, Zach. It it definitely did, man. And I got to see, um, 
the the individual who won the uh, the actual Nobel Peace Prize that year, mm-hmm. his name is Alessi Bialyaski. Okay, he's a Belarusian freedom fighter. Wow, and uh, he was speaking out uh, in in regards to the war in Ukraine. Okay, and they locked him up, and oh, he wasn't wow. actually able to be at the ceremony to receive his award because he's in wow. prison. Yeah, but his wife was there. And she gave a speech and received the award on his behalf. Amazing. And basically, her whole thing was the same thing. Like, like her whole uh, her whole message. Yeah. And was that like, what are you doing in order to bring uh, peaceful progress? And that peace sometimes isn't easy. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a lot of danger involved a, in there's peace. There's a cost to peace. Yes, and it's risky. Yeah. You know. So, that's, are you willing to? Take the risks yep. for peaceful progress. And also you have to think about the people that are so much against that. Like people are like, I don't want there to be peace because peace is not necessarily the most profitable thing either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it isn't. It yeah. could be, though. It could, it could be. be. It could I, I, you know, we, we got to look at it in a new lens. Think about safety, right? right. Safety, Zach, right? Everyone wants to be safe. Yep. Um, to a certain degree. I mean, there's people who will go out and jump out of an airplane. That's not that safe. But, you know, yeah. that's for the thrill of it. I'm not one of those people. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Right? Maybe one day. But, right, uh... right. Exactly. But, like, you know, to be able to come home. Yep. Have a home. Be able to put your, you know, your head on the pillow and not feel that someone's going to come into your zone or your place and, like, ruin things or make you feel unsafe or danger, right? right? So it's like, okay, the rich and the poor both want this to happen. But oftentimes we reside, we we rely on like um, Band-Aid safety. Yep. So like, you know, more police, militarization, uh, guard dogs, large fences, alarm systems. Keep it out, right? I'm good. Keep it out. Floodlights. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, you know, almost anxiety driven protection. And don't get me wrong, like, that is safety to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but it's Band-Aid safety. It's like manufactured safety. Right. Yeah. Because real intrinsic safety is embedded in creating a better quality of life for people. Right. And I feel that that's, that's where it. peace relies. You know, we think about people who are rich. It benefits them to invest in those who are disenfranchised for their own benefit. You know? Right. What if we could live in a city where there was no ghetto? Yep. Then the man who lives rich on the hill can come down anywhere and feel safe. Yeah. Not like someone who's going to... Like, come and take what they have. You might not even need the fence. Yeah. You know, so, um, not to get sidetracked, but. No, no, that was great. Yeah, man. It's, it's um, really true. I think at the at the core, like you said earlier, everybody wants peace in some way or form. And a lot of times we think that people, just because they have money, mm-hmm. have peace. But they might be on edge more than anybody because, again, that comes with the cost. Like, mm-hmm. you, you make all this money, but then you have people that want that from there, especially people that have a lot less than you. Right. Right, man. Hmm. That's big. Um, yeah, man. So after the Nobel Peace Prize, I was supposed to go to Iceland for a couple of days. Okay. But then my buddy Isaiah was like, I've never been to Europe before. We should not go there and go to a bunch of other places. Okay. So we canceled the flight to, to Iceland. And cool. we booked new flights. And we went to, uh, well, we first went to Sweden. Hung out with in Sweden for a night. Okay. Then we flew to Amsterdam, stayed there for a day. Then we went to Ireland. I've been to Ireland a few times, but okay. we stayed there and got to, you know, experience Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Hurt's an amazing place. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild, bro. Yeah, the party scene is nuts, man. Okay. Usually when I was doing peace campaigns, you know, during the day you do the campaign, then at night you live it up, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got exp- <laughs> yeah. to experience the, the culture. Exactly, yeah. man. So so Ireland is a, yeah, it's a wild place. Um, and then I went to New York. 
Okay, I love New York. I was just here a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, Yeah, New York's awesome. Yeah, I love it out there. Um, I stayed in Harlem. Okay. And I gave a speech at First Avenue Church about what I had experienced at the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, amazing. Sort of like gave a recap or summarize. Uh, summari- summarizing what happened, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I came home. And since then, okay, so that was December. Since then, I had a campaign called Equip to Learn. Okay. And in that campaign, uh, basically, I raised funds. And any teacher in Tacoma or Seattle at this point could reach out to me and nominate a few students they felt would need a seniors who would need a laptop for trade school or college for next year. Awesome. And I sent out emails to every single teacher, high school teacher in Seattle, every single high school teacher in Tacoma, and I only heard from three teachers. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why that was. Yeah. I don't know why that was. I knew it worked because I heard from three. Yeah. So I think that either it seemed too good to be true. Yeah. Like, I'm giving away laptops for free, like, for like, yeah, what? Yeah, so there's like, got to be some kind of catch to it. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it just went into their junk file. But I, I heard back from three. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was the case. But so some some way it broke through. Right, right. Yeah. But for the, the the three that I heard from, we hooked up their students with free laptops. Awesome. For, for their education for next year. Um, and then, yeah, and that's where I'm at now, you know, like we did, we're doing Every Kid Eats right now, and I'm getting ready for my next campaign, the yeah. greatest campaign to date, and that will be me going to West Africa okay, yeah, to yeah. go to orphanages and give out free books and to go to communities and give out rice because rice goes a long way in third world countries. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's yeah. amazing. So when do you, you said you leave in September? So I'm right now. So I haven't booked the tickets yet. I have to get, you know, apply for my visa. Yeah. Because I need that to go to Ghana. Okay. No one knows that I'm going to Ghana yet, but I'm going to Ghana. You you heard it here first. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to be doing that. But also I have to talk with my, the the shipping gentleman I'm working with named Owuso and figure out when he plans on shipping next. That will be, that's basically what is contingent upon when I'll be leaving. Okay. Are you taking the bus with you? No, no, no. Oh, because no. that'd be cool to that see be, traveling around. That would be yeah. wild, bro. Yeah. I wonder how much that would cost. Uh, probably pretty be hefty. hefty. Yeah. yeah, man. To ship the bus to Africa. That would be epic. But um, no, it's just going to be me and uh, my assistant, Isaiah. I would like to have a documentarian go with me. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I don't know in such short notice who would be able to drop everything and go to Africa for a half a, a month. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, unless I've already found someone, if you're interested, if you're a videographer or a documentarian and you want to go to Africa, I'll pay half your ticket. And you can stay for free and eat for free. So I might become a documentarian. <laughs> <laughs> No, that sounds amazing, and yeah. um, I'll reach out to some people because I know that I have a couple friends that are in that field. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, the last time I had a documentarian go with me across the country, whew, that was that was hard, man. It was someone that I uh, trusted, and uh, they started acting kind of out of pocket on the oh, trip, okay. and it became really difficult. So whoever it is, they should, you know, got to be calm and collected and, yeah. you know, be willing to be on the road and— Things like that. So. When you say like it got kind of chaotic, was it like the like a partying type thing, or it's just no. like just the personalities didn't mesh well? Um, they were not safety thinking safety. Okay, they were doing a lot of stuff that was kind of like wild. Yeah, and uh, their um, mood would shift. Oh, okay, greatly 
And uh, we, you know, their, their job was to be a documentarian. And every day they would, you know, give me footage for me to upload on Instagram. But at the same time, they were doing, you know, uh, filming a, a, a documentary. Yeah. And so the idea was, you know, I'm paying this person to do this. When we got back, he kept on pushing back the date. Uh, he basically vanished. All the footage. I don't have any of the footage from the Manifest Humanity campaign. It's gone. Wow. Yeah. And you think I, he got one of those uh, emails about ten thousand dollars and not put it out? <laughs> I don't know because that I, sounds that seems just very strange mm -hmm. that you would just do that. It was strange. I thought maybe like the task was really overwhelming. It was Could've a been. lot of footage. We mm -hmm. drove a lot of places, met a lot of people. But I to this date I don't know, and I haven't heard from him. I hope he's well. You yeah. know, God forbid something happened to him, and right. that was the reason why. But yeah, so I, I would hate. I don't want anything like that happening ever again. Yeah. Um, and it was a good life lesson as well as um, because of uh, contracts, too. Yeah. So at that point, I was doing all my videography work, all my campaigns, just contract lists. Like, you want to help? Great. Come on board. I trust you. And at that point, that was when the shift happened with my humanitarian work to be like, oh, this is strictly professional. I'm working with professionals. We have to have, you know, MOUs and independent contract agreements right. set in place to make sure that at the least— we're on the same page. 1099s. Yeah, and, yeah, you, you, are, yeah, you already yeah. know the you know the fuzzy stuff. So yeah, 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 man. The details. Yeah, man. <laughs> the details. So I'm looking forward to West Africa. Never been before. Yeah, and I think it's going to be the trip of a lifetime to help people in need, man. That sounds amazing. That's awesome. I, I wanted to go back to the cartoon. Actually, is there ever any talk about bringing that back? Because I watched it. I was entertained. You liked it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was shot very well. I thought it was really cool how you were incorporating like social aspects into it to teach young kids. Because a lot of it feels like a lot of those kind of shows are not really geared towards that. But yours right. had a message, and then it also was entertaining. A lot of times okay. you can't have the message and be entertaining. Right, right, yeah. right, man. That was the goal, man. Um, we actually had filmed. Two-thirds of the second episode. Okay. The second episode is wild. And I've written the entire season. Oh, interesting. Of the, of the show. Um, it most likely won't be in the same format. Okay. If I choose to, you know, continue with it, it won't be puppets or whatnot. It, will, it might be a cartoon. Okay. I thought about doing an animated version of it, starting from scratch and doing an animated version. Yeah. Because it's all written. Okay. Um, yeah. For it, I don't see it being produced in the same way in the future. Yeah. Um, since then, I've done other uh, shows. I had a talk show. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. So, as I was stating before, I'm looking to gear more towards teens and young adults at this time. Right. I think eventually I'll get back to kids, maybe. Okay. But, you know, young adults are at this point. And so, doing a, a talk show, getting influencers and celebrity folks together. Yeah, To cool. have conversations about racism and uh, poverty and things like that. The idea is like, you know, whenever you hear about these topics, it's like a talking head. It's usually a political show. Right. And they got two people who think two different ways, and then they go at it. They kind of clash, like, almost like a ESPN style Yeah, like, like what are we really show. doing here, man? Yeah, are seems really more. Well, you're not, they're not trying to find common ground. They're just trying no. to argue their own points. Right. So I was thinking, well, kids don't... Honestly, kids don't really look up to politicians now anyway. No. So it's like... A lot of these kids don't even know who the president is right uh, now. <laughs> bro, I'm saying. But they know who, you know, like LeBron James is yeah. and people like this. So it's like, I want to have folks like this on our show to talk about hard topics to hopefully inspire young people and young adults to be like, hey, I can talk about this too. Yeah. And to create an atmosphere where everyone's not triggered, right? It's mm -hmm. like... In order for us to get progress, we're going to have to talk about things that are rough and, and they're tough. And it's not always going to be PC. It's not. Yeah. It's not. But in order for us to, you know, 
move forward, we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty and sometimes even make light of certain situations. So my first pilot episode of the Peace Bus talk show, I had Nate Jackson, the comedian on. Yeah. And I had Travis Thompson, uh, the rapper and uh, a TED Talk speaker, Amy Corey and uh, Jackie Turgensen, who's a a comedian. And we just kind of let loose and talked about what racism is. Right. Like, what the hell is race? And it was really good, man. I feel like it really honed in on like how anyone can have the conversation. You don't need to be a politician or an activist. We can talk about these things in order to bridge a gap of understanding. Yep. So, um, yeah, we filmed the second episode last month. What is it? Is it July? Last month. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, we talked about uh, economics and equity. Nice. Which was nice. I, I got to fly in a guy named Hannibal Johnson. Hannibal Johnson. Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's an okay. expert on the Tulsa Race Massacre. Oh, wow. And he's a Harvard graduate, law graduate. And, uh, yeah, man, he, he was uh, very knowledgeable about economics and equity. Yeah. We had uh, Justin Martin, who's the CEO of Tapco Bank. Okay. Or Tapco Credit Union, not bank. Yeah. Credit Union. <laughs> Credit Union, yeah. yeah. Got to make the distinction. 100%, yeah. man. And had him come out. And it was a great conversation, man. It was great. That's amazing. Do you have uh, anybody on the docket for the future? Anybody nope. you reach out to? You know what I'm thinking? You guys hear, heard it here first. I'm thinking about doing the talk show in a new way. Taking out even the talk show aspect mm-hmm. and linking more of a documentary style aspect of, of, of peace and, and, and the show where I'd be going to, for example, I'm looking to address uh, school shootings and mass shootings and having okay. that conversation and basically having a documentarian be a, a fly on the wall. I go to schools, interview kids, interview young adults about the issue of gun violence and try to get to the nitty gritty of how we can address it and hearing their Thoughts and ideas. Right. You know, we hear a lot of, you know, older people talking about it. Yeah. What are they saying about gun violence and bullying and stuff? What gets to the what gets you to the point where you would want to shoot your classmates? Right. And a lot of times they're only thinking about the, the gun part of it. Like, oh, my guns are going to get taken away. Right. And they right. don't even hear the rest of what's right. going like, on. Like, what about mental health? Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about mental health, you know? I don't know. I, I think there is room... There is wiggle room and solidarity in looking at what's behind the violence versus just the violence itself. Right, and that makes sense. So you you're kind of like carving yourself out into like a media landscape, even though your your work is humanitarian. Do you right. see yourself doing more media things in the future? I know you just uh, hosted the night show, yeah, uh, which was super cool. So do you see yourself doing more of those types of things in the future? Yeah, my goal is to be the Steve Irwin of humanitarianism or to be That's like amazing. the Anthony Bourdain of humanitarianism. Rest in peace to both. Yeah, yeah. or the Bill Nye, you know. Yeah, shout Rest out to Bill Nye. Yeah, 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 man, yeah, man. That's, that's my goal. That would be my dream of my life. Okay. Yeah, super cool. Um, going back to the night show thing, you, know, you got to meet somebody that – I look up to in this space, a podcaster, uh-huh. Brian B. Dot. Yeah, B. Dot um, Miller. How was that experience getting to interview him? He's had such an impact on culture, um, not only hip hop culture, culture in general, but also in media culture. So what was it like interviewing somebody like that? Right. So any when you when you come across anyone who is a master at their craft, yeah. you kind of sit back. Yeah, definitely. And you watch how they function and how they navigate spaces. And uh, the questions that I had for him on the night show, they were all cultivated by uh, Daryl Cruz, the okay. producer of the show. Um, but I had a few, you know, of my own questions. Um, to, to, to hear someone who has understand through and through the art of hip hop. Yeah. Right. I had asked him about, you know, whether he felt that hip hop was sort of 
unique only to you know the new being that it's from New York. Right? Does he see it only being like a New York thing, and it's just been replicated elsewhere? Yeah. What? It, how is that. other hip hop outside of New York? Does he see it as uh, authentic? Right. And he was like, hip hop's not not j- New York. It's not New York anymore. It's it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think at this point, man, it's just yeah, it's not even new, a New York thing. And uh, he's just a really wise guy, man. Just talking about you know him creating lists. Yeah, you know, um, and controversy. Uh, yeah. Right, 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 right. But man. in the in the most, I think in the best possible ways. Like instead of it being like an argumentative thing, he's mm-hmm. sparking discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, not everybody's going to buy into your opinion, right? But that at least opens the discussion for you know what an actual list looks like or what you know who's the best or right. you know whatever. He's he's strictly a professional man. Yeah, he really is. is. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to meet him and. Uh, you know, me coming into the scene, like, I'm not, I know of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I, I, I grew up listening to it, but I'm not like a hip-hop head. I don't know yeah. it through and through. So I kind of took a, a humble approach and was just kind of listening to what, what he'd have to say with each question. Um, and it was absolutely an honor to host the night show, man. Yeah, that's awesome. How were you approached about doing that? Yeah, I was in my room, man. And Daryl, he, he texted me. He was like, yo, you want to host the night show? And I was like... Sure. And then I thought about it. I was like, do I want to host the night yeah. show? Like, like, when I think of the night show, I don't know. I, I never thought of myself of, of, of hosting something like that. But once I got in there and started learning about how it was done mm-hmm. and the people that I, that I was meeting through it and going through the scope of the show, I was like, oh, I feel at home doing this. That's awesome. It, it, it felt really natural to me. And uh, even afterwards, the feedback was like, hey, is Kwame doing this? All, all the time is he the full time you know host? yeah and people were saying that and uh in the beginning of the show we had a a peace uh uh panel conversation okay. so we had um some of uh, tacoma's heavy hitters uh we had uh Corey Stroyser from the uh, uh school board okay and christian page the uh tacoma peace laureate oh nice uh candace wesley who is the um uh, Founder of uh, Tacoma Ceasefire. Oh. And Akira Daniels, who's on the council, the city council. And we just went at it to talk about what it's going to look like to bring peaceful progress in Tacoma, mm-hmm. especially in the summer. Yeah. And how we're going to address the, the youth violence that's been going on, the shootings and yeah, things like it's, that. It's, it's a wild time. And uh, initially, in the program, it was only supposed to be 20 minutes long. Uh-huh. And we overshot it by 10 minutes, and we could have kept on going. Yeah. But for the sake of time, we had to shorten it. Right. So stuff like that, you know. Uh, it was important to have the entertainment side, but also have the side of consciousness. And I, b- I believe that having an amalgamation yeah. of those two things was was great stuff. Now, that's not the only hosting you've been doing lately, though, right? I heard oh, yeah. I might have seen something about some kind of Northwest Emmys. Oh, snap? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. How was that? I, again, I didn't even know that the Northwest had an Emmy, so yeah. that was super cool to find mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. So I was able to host a segment of it. So, okay. yeah, again, I was chilling. And uh, Chris Cashman, shout out to yeah. Chris Cashman. That's my guy. He was the first person to uh, put me on TV about the the Peace Bus. Okay. He didn't know from me from Adam. I didn't know him. Yeah. He used to have a live show on King 5 called Take 5. Right. And, um, yeah, since then... This guy has been a huge supporter of my work. That's amazing. Um, almost, I want to say, like almost every other month, he's finding some sort of excuse to get me on TV That's to talk cool. about what I'm doing. And he reached out to me. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to be hosting the Northwest Emmys. I'd like you to, uh, you know, help me present." And I was right away. I was like, "Yep, 
Um, yeah, I, I was a hard, I, when he reached out to me, that was a hard week, man. I was uh, vending at the Puyallup Fair. Okay. Good Lord, it's hard. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, man, like two weeks, the spring fair, just being there, man, yeah. day in and day out. Good Lord, I, I'll have to figure out if I do it again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was getting off my shift, and he hit me up, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And so going to the Fremont Studios and meeting all these different people involved in TV, I got yeah. to meet the director, the guy who directed uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I got to meet him and talk yeah, to him cool. a little about, about, about Bill Nye. And um, it was it was just humbling, man. I bet. To be in a space with all these t- TV people, personalities, they're so witty. Yeah. And I'm just kind of sitting there just like, oh, what? Like, I'm pretty charismatic, but they're, I'd on, say, a, yeah. <laughs> they're on a whole different level. I'm just like, right. yo, this is wild. And um, yeah, man. And they we went through a rehearsal of the of the show. And then I got to go go up there and I asked them, you know, what 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 do I talk about? Like, what do you guys want me to say? And they're like, brag on yourself. I know you're not good at it, but just right. like, just say all the good stuff you've done. So I went up there and I had the mic and I just basically said some of the stuff I've done, helping people in need. And I got to meet some, um, yeah, Eric Johnson from Como Four News yeah. and. It was wild, man. And then I got to announce a few awards. That's super cool. Yeah. That's super cool. I actually had a, a friend of mine. He works for Root Sports, and I think they were nominated for their work uh, in the sports field. So that's super yeah, cool. Yeah, man. Um, at any point during this this whole journey, did you ever think about quitting? No. No, no, man. This is this is it. Because this, uh, you know, oh, I feel like a lot of people would feel they start doing things like this. And th- to me, this sounds like a lot of work, and that might push people away from doing it. So there wasn't any ever point where you were like, I don't think this might be what, what I'm supposed to be doing? No, no, no. Um, I, have, I, I like to say this phrase, it goes, uh, just as space is the last endeavor for exploration, peace is the final frontier for society. That's amazing. And it's true, man. Just as we're exploring, you know, we're trying to find the, the, the final frontier, man. And for society, that's what we're gearing towards. All this work. All the innovations and inventions that have been done to transcend humanity has all been done to get us to a nude stage of society. You know, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, all these things. Yeah. In society, we're trying to get to a spot where we can cultivate the highest sense of potentiality. Yep. And we can do that with peace. So I, f- I feel like uh, being a, a sort of like a, um, a frontiersman, mm-hmm. you know? That's sort of the way I see it. It's awesome. Uh, you were pioneering utopia. Right, man. Yeah. Right, man. I, I, there's there's things. When, when people say, like, peace is intangible, I bring up this example. Okay, so at some point in American history, kids weren't required to go to school. Kind of just do whatever. Well, I mean, they were working on the farm. Yeah, right. Like yeah. But at some point, we came to the understanding it makes sense that everyone, to some degree, should be educated. It's safer. Safer, Right. We want safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense for human progress. We want progress, right? Now we're at the next stage. Okay. It makes sense that every person should be having quality education, right? It makes sense that everyone should have food, clothes, and shelter. And we should be encouraging people to find their purpose. Right. If we're able to cultivate these things, everyone will be better off. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So is it is the peace bus ever going to go to space? Is there a spe- uh, peace spaceship coming <laughs> peace. coming down the line? No, I uh, I will be in the sky by 2025 to fly the greatest flight in the history of humankind, and that will be the peace plane. And once I do the peace plane, 
I think I'll be able to die happy, man. I, I've always had the dream of flying for peace, um, to raise awareness of the major inhibitors of peace that I explained before, poverty, yeah. uh, racism, and lack of quality education, and to bring peace to the highest height. And people have often asked me, like, why a plane, right? And there's some sort of, like, physicality with, with aviation. We look up to uh, to athletes, even, yep. and, and people who are kinesthetically, uh, um, uh, they're, they're gifted, right? And so my idea is, like, how can we utilize this amazing science of aviation to raise awareness of another thing that is equally, if not greater, and that's peace, you know? Right. And, and that, that's my whole spiel on it, man. Awesome. So you are a person that you dedicate your whole life to giving others peace. How do you find peace in your own personal life? Right. That's a, that's a great question, man. I like jump rope. Jump rope? Nice. <laughs> yeah, jump rope. Do you, do you work out a lot? Yes. I used to be a bodybuilder. Oh, cool. In my mid-20s. Okay. I was super into it. So yeah. I was super into it. If you get into that kind of stuff, it's, it's hard to get out. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Getting addicted to, to going to the gym is, I mean, it's a good thing, but also could... If done overboard, could also become a right. bad thing. Life's about balance, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I, uh, yeah, fitness is big. I, I, I don't see a life not being involved in fitness. Makes sense. Um, and I watch a ton of movies. I'm a movie head, bro. What's your favorite movie? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay, that's a good Indiana one. Indiana Jones, one. bro. Indiana Jones as a kid inspired me. I always wanted to live an adventure, adventurous life. I may not live long, man, but best believe I'm going to hit the ground running. Make every day count. Make every day count, man. So, um, yeah, In Indiana Jones, that whole series inspired me as a kid. And I've always loved whenever a new movie's coming out. Granted, the last one came out recently, Dial of Destiny. I saw that in theaters. It was fantastic. Was it? Yeah, it was great. Okay. I loved it, man. I loved it. Um, so that's my favorite movie, the the Last Crusade when he's with his dad. Yeah, beautiful film. That's great. That's great. Uh, you talked about a lot of books um, as far as like peace and everything. Yeah. What's what's one book that you'd recommend people to find, like cultivate more peace in their life? Better yet, Zach, I'm going to give you two. Okay. So the first one is The Art of Waging Peace, written by Paul K. Chappelle, who's a peace literacy professor. That sounds amazing. And he talks about how. The, the things we don't really view in regards to what peace is, right, and what peace isn't, to understand that, you know, humanizing others is a way in which we can cultivate peace. We think about why we have to, when we send people overseas to conduct a war, we have to tell them that they're fighting for their family and friends because no one would go over there just to kill people for the sake of it. We have to look at propaganda, the manipulation of propaganda that gets people to uh, indulge in violence, but then also the ramifications of how violence has negatively affected us uh, with trauma and anxiety, these sort of things, and also what we can do to keep calm in the face of uh, adversity or if you see two people arguing, what you can do in order to uh, address the situation peacefully. Great book. The second one is Why Nations Fail by, uh, what is it, Jacob Robinson, I believe his name? Robert, yeah, Jacob Robinson. That is an amazing book, an amazing book. It elaborates on why third world countries are third world countries and why first world countries are first world countries and debunks a bunch of bunk of why people think <laughs> that people living in the third world are maybe dumber or don't have the skills or these sort of things. Right. It shows you the reason, the main reasons why. One big reason, I'll elaborate on this, and then you have to read the book to find out the mm -hmm. rest of it. But one is extractive institutions, right? Okay. So here in the U.S., we have a lot of inclusive institutions, education being one. Yep. A lot of people don't know that in a lot of third world countries, they don't have 
an education system where every kid can go to school. Yeah. And also, when people gain political power, they'll be extractive in preventing anyone else to get to even close to where they're at that for the sense. sake of keeping their power in place. Right. Versus here, I mean, we have a lot of checks and balances. Granted, exploitation still happens here. Yeah, for sure. But it's on a whole different level in certain countries. So that's one, that's one reason. Awesome, awesome. And then I want one interview that changed your life. One interview that changed my life. That's a, I've never been asked that question. Really? Out of all the questions, I'm, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a big, uh, I love watching interviews. I love seeing people in their element and talking about, you know, what, what they really care about. So, yeah, what's one? Right. Hmm. I'd probably say that interview with Margaret Larson. I I had never been on a, a talk show before. Okay. And I was, that day... My car broke down, and I didn't have any friends in the area. Is this the bus or your personal car? My personal car. Okay. Uh, and the bus, I don't know. The bus, I didn't want to take it up there at this time. It, maybe it was acting finicky because yeah. of, you know, taking it down to the border. But okay. I, I, I didn't trust it to take it to Seattle. But um, And I was, like, trying to figure out how I was going to get up there. And I reached out this guy named Nate. Nate the Great, the GOAT, bro. I barely knew him. Mm. I met him at, like, Art on the Ave. And he came up okay, to cool. me and he's like, bro, I love what you're doing, yada, yada, yada. Here's my number. Call me if you need anything. I hadn't talked to him for months. And I called him up and I was like, Nate, can you take me to Seattle? And he was like, oh, yeah, I got you, bro. That's awesome. And he picked me up, drove me to Seattle to go on a new day, got there, met Cisco, and walked in. You know, I was rattled because of all this stuff going on. Yeah. Got on there on the couch with, Mar with Margaret, and it, it was a breeze, man. And it gave me the understanding that this was what I was supposed to do. And uh, to be able to let people know that there's a different way. Yeah. That we can come together and have conversations about tough topics with peace being the, the premise. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great interview. Is that interview available for people to watch? It's on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, it's online. Oh, I, I'll send you the link to it. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to put that in the description and everything. Um, finally, can you leave the people here with some words of wisdom about peace? Yes, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell everyone, that love is always the answer. You may have not talked to somebody in a long time. You have their number, give them a call, tell them that you love them, you care about them. Somebody is wondering if they matter. And you have the obligation, you have the ability to reach out to them and let them know that, they're, that they matter and uh, that they have a purpose. So I know sometimes it's hard, right, to, to think about someone you haven't met or talked, uh, haven't talked to in a long time. Pick up the phone, call them, tell them how much you love them. You'll have a good time. They'll have a good time. And, yeah, love is always the answer. Awesome. Based on a previous conversation that we had before the podcast started, you gave me a, an idea of who I need to be reaching out to. Ooh, so right. I, I like that. Um, before we get out of here, you want to plug everything, you know, where people yeah. can find you at, what's coming mm -hmm. up next for you, all those things? Yeah. If you want to follow the Peace Bus, uh, follow the Peace Bus on Instagram at the Peace Bus. And you can also follow me on TikTok at Kwabi Amwa Forsen. Add me on Facebook. I'm the only one named Kwabi in probably all of Washington. Uh, just type in Kwabi Amwa Forsen and follow me there. And, oh yeah, thepeacebus.org. Check that out. And yo, I just opened up the Peace Bus online store. We got Peace merch. I'm not wearing it. I'm wearing ETC right now. But 
Check out uh, the Peace Bus store on the website and check out all the, the cool stuff we have there. I've got a lot of t-shirts and sweatshirts and all that stuff. And I'm going to be coming out with a new shirt soon. So check awesome. that out. Awesome. Got to check that out. I also have a gift for you, actually. Oh, snap. Um, That's so very peaceful. Telling you about my friend earlier who does a hot sauce company. So this is his uh, hot sauce 1111. Mm. Mm. Um, so that is the mild version of his hot sauce. And I think uh, our engineer Tor can attest to it. It is. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. I'm trying this out tonight. Are you a big hot sauce fan? No, but <laughs> this will do it. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, eleven eleven sauce. Um, that's been episode two, structuralist conversation with my man Kwabi. Zero calories. Um, that was the peace bus. He told us all about the origins. Thank you for coming on, man. This has been amazing. I feel inspired. I feel enlightened. Thanks, man. Amazing. Thanks Appreciate for you. Me. Yeah, man. That was great. Thanks, man. Yeah, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, I love it. That's kind of the point that I wanted to make of these podcasts was to allow people to tell their story and me to kind of take like a little bit of a backseat and just kind of guide it. Okay. You know, there's cool. so many important stories out there that need to be told and mm. to inspire other people. So, okay. Yeah, man. that was awesome. Sweet, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. This was dope. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff, boys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you know when this will be up? Uh, I'm going to try and work on it through the weekend, so maybe sometime next week. I'll give you a Dang, fun date. Dang, early? Uh, yeah, early? I mean, I, once I start doing these episodes, like, I, it's that's, like, my thing, my favorite thing to do is, like, sit and edit. And, okay. Yeah. Is that chop it up. and Therapeutic, huh? I don't think I even need to chop a lot of this up because you were just, like, one big, long stream of yeah, consciousness. Man. <laughs> yeah, We didn't man. have to break or anything in between mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Did you bring the bus with you? Yeah, it's outside. Oh, Tor, do you mind taking a picture in front of you? Yeah. Can I take a couple of you guys right here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to cut the feet, okay? Any last remarks you guys want to say? No, I'm good. good. 